0: Okay, before we begin then, let us remind ourselves how fortunate we are to be recipients of the Lord teaching, this teaching that liberates us all, the truth and the only truth that exists, in the hope that we may be able to realize this truth. be full of insight understand the nature of reality see through the dense fog that covers our ability to see the nature of all things and in doing so to be able to achieve the ultimate happiness let us take a moment to pay homage to the infinitely virtuous one, the magnificent one, the boundlessly compassionate one, he who is the Deva of Devas, the Brahma of Brahmas, and greatest among all sentient beings. Let us take a moment to pay homage to the Supreme One. Namo tusse, bhagavato, arehato, samma, sambudhasse. Namo tusse, bhagavato, arehato, samma, sambudhasse. Namo tusse, bhagavato, arehato, samma, sambudhasse. Right. Now, There's lots I want to share with you, so I think we will need two things today to make today's session worthwhile and effective, successful. One you'll need plenty of, plenty of merits, so it's always good to remind yourself about Meritorious deeds that you would have done ways in which you might have helped others enter the path of Dhamma to Nibbana things like helping others come, come here, get here, inviting them to be here perhaps sometimes just holding them by their hand metaphorically, bringing them here because they didn't think that this was what they needed in their lives but you did that so many times over and most of them, perhaps not all of them, but most of them, or at least some of them, maybe a few of them have today realized this is what they always needed and today they are ever so grateful to you. But whether they be grateful or not, you in doing so earned a tremendous amount of merit because all you wanted out of that was not, not their son nor, nor their daughter not their house, nor their car, nor their money nor their friendship or companionship all you wanted was for them to attain and achieve what you have and therefore to free yourselves if that was the intention with which you did it then what you give is what you get and so therefore brace yourselves because you will get plenty of that today hopefully i feel there are things that I want to share with you and sometimes maybe I have always been conscious of the fact that some of these concepts, some of these ideas might be a little bit heavy, but I just thought, what ah, the heck if it. put it out there, see what happens and if it gets heavy, well, so what, we are here to help you lift your burden. So, Maris, Will help you today. Stay focused, stay alert, stay awake, all those good things you need to do you know, in It's not just coming up and turning up and sitting down, you need to do all the above as well. And then you'll need to be tuned in. So from time to time you might Wander off in your mind, body here but mind somewhere else. Do try to keep tuned in to what Swami is sharing with you. And the best way to do that is to see how much these things apply to you in your life. So this is how I listen to sermon. So on a Thursday for instance, Guru Tero gives us a sermon, starts at 6.30, goes on until about 10.30, 11.00 in some days. It's good now. It used to be longer than that. <laughs> when he was Desha back in the UK, he used to start at around 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Sometimes it goes on till about 3 in the following morning. And we would all be sat there, just so alert, so focused. Complete attention. Listening to everything and every word he has to say. Well, you can see the result of that. I wonder if that's why sometimes some people tune out from time to time, just in case. What has happened here might happen there. I'm just jesting. So, So, how I listen to those sermons is I, as I listen to it, I contemplate, I reflect on how those words apply to my life. Because, you know, I have... Plenty of experience, as to all of you. Things have happened in our lives. Good things, bad things, or at least the way we perceive them, good and bad things. And now we need to try and make sense of how those things happened the way they did and how our approach was the way it was. So, there's lots for us to do. It's like a math lesson. The teacher teaches math. The principles, the theories. But it is down to you, to then, work through the sums and get the right results get the right answers so that's how it needs to be so i'm going to give it to you if you are ready to catch it so i'm going to jump straight into the core of what i've been trying to share with you piecemeal a few weeks now. <clears throat> Last week was a good start to that. Last week we talked about my way. Hmm? There's a, a way that I want things to happen. A way that I want things to be done. I, there's a way that I want other people to be. And I asked you to do a bit of a homework. Do you remember? Three things. I ask you to think about at home and see if you can spot the my ways in those situations. If there was a time where something upset you, something bothered you, then if you took a moment to figure out what is the my way here, then you would have realized that suffering is your own making. This Dhamma is liberating if nothing else. You know, we are always looking for answers to problems, aren't we? So we are happy when we find those answers, because we know now we have a way out of them. This is what I am trying to help you do. If what you have been doing all your life is what you continue to do, or at least if, if that is what you have continued to do, throughout the rest of your lives, you would forever have been looking for answers, and forever have been looking for relief. Relief from this burden. But now you're empowered because you realize that the answer lies within. It's just there with you. So take those three examples, take one of them, whichever one that you thought was probably the best among those examples and see whether you could spot the my way in that. I needed things to be this way, it wasn't that way and therefore previously Perhaps you might have pointed your finger out and said, See, I asked them to do this, but they haven't done it. I asked my son to do this, he hasn't done it. I asked my husband to get the, buy the groceries on the way home, and he didn't do it. I asked him to organize a party, but they haven't done it. I asked him to pay back the money that he borrowed from me, but he hasn't done it. I asked him to wash the dishes, but he, she hasn't done it. Hmm? These are things that you may have come across. So, when those things happen, your previous reaction to those have, would have been, Finger? up. You annoy me. You bother me. You harass me. You trouble me. So, therefore, who has to change? The other party has to change. How successful were we in that? Getting the other party to change. You know, this is so silly that we take this approach because we forget for a... It's almost like we switch off our brains completely. You know, we are so engrossed in that we forget to realize that the other part is going through the same emotions that we are. Isn't that right? All the times you ask someone else to change, just think for a moment. You asked them to change because you found it difficult for you to change, right? So what did you do? You asked the other person to change. Didn't you for a moment take, you know, just a modicum of intelligence didn't seep in to think, you know, well, if it's difficult for me to change, then perhaps it's difficult for the other person to change as well? No, it it doesn't happen like that because when you're in the midst of that, all common sense goes out the window. Hmm? You can't, you, you don't, you're not able to think at that time. Because you're in this deep state of vexation. that the only thing you can focus on at that moment in time is how do I get out of this? And there is a way. That's the funny thing about this. There is a way out of it. But you think it's outside. It's a trap. It's a fantastic trap. It's the perfect trap. Until and unless you understand these words, the doctrine, the Dhamma of the Buddha that he taught us, it is a perfect trap, this my way trap. So if you are able to identify these situations in which you recognize that there was this my way that you had set in those situations, then hopefully First and foremost, you recognize that, ah, okay, so it's here that the change needs to happen. Only a fool would say, well, you see, you didn't do that because you didn't like it, so it's your way, go change it. You see where I'm coming from? I I have my way, you have your way, right? The reason that you're not doing what I'm asking you to do is because you have your way, so go and change that way. Again, you're back to square one, which is the same thing that you said last time. I don't want to change, so you change. So, if you are prepared, this, you know, this is only for people who are prepared to change. You can't be here and then also tell me, answer, how do I fix the world around me? You know, those things are... Uh, they should be mutually exclusive. If you, if you want to change, if you want to be here and change the world outside, then you are in the wrong place or you are trying to do the wrong thing. Those who are here should be here for one thing and one thing alone. Let the world be as it is. I am ready to change. Are you all ready to change? Then you qualify to be here. If you are not ready to change, if you still think that the outside needs to change, then you shouldn't be here because here we teach you a different method. Right. Now take that one example that springs to mind. And we talked about my way. If you have now been able to recognize that there is this my way that you have set and you are and you accept and acknowledge that this is the cause of your suffering that alone is not going to free yourself. Because then I wouldn't have to teach you anything about dukkha or anatta all i could I could just say but it 's your way because you have set your way of doing things, so you know sort it out yourself no there's no sort it out yourself you need to do yeah first, I need to show you where the problem is, and then I give you the medicine, and then you can go and apply it, so you know really, all you have to do is do as I say. You go to the doctor, the doctor gives you an ointment, but you also need to know where to apply it, yeah so. I'm saying, you are the ones who know where to apply it. That's why I ask you to go and, you know, look around, look over your, through on your body, look in the mirror and see where you have those rashes, where I'm going to give you the cream so you can apply it, the ointment. Okay? And if you have found them, now let's talk through how you can actually apply it. Because it is your understanding of vanitya which is going to loosen those screws This is all. Ring a bell to everyone, what we talked about last week. I, I'm going to draw it on the board quickly. I said, imagine this is the process of the mind, and you have... So I, I, I thought about this as well, and then I developed it a little bit, developed it further. Instead of, you, instead of thinking that you could unscrew these, imagine they could, they could turn on this axis, one, two, three, four, five, they could rotate on this axis, but they could only do that if there was some play here, yeah, if this was fixed, then you couldn't do that, so now no matter if they are able to move on that point, then imagine something like this, yeah, if they could move, then whenever an object comes through, what is it able to do? Give way. Like this. Right? It could turn on this axis, and it could give way. But if it was fixed like this, now things are only just going to come and collide. That's what I'm trying to express to you here. Make sense? Yeah? So last week what we said was, this could, these things move up and down, which they do, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm adding something to what we discussed last week. This is your setting. So you can say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. It's a setting. Imagine you've got these settings up here. Okay? So these are the settings. And then once they're there, they're fixed. Different drushti will change this setting. But once it's there, now that is fixed. That's the way it works. Make sense? Okay? So this is rupa. Then vedana, sanya, sankara and vinyana. So are you saying that you
1: have
0: a flexible mind? Uh, when, so, whenever there's a my way, sir, the, the my way allows, let's put it this way, the problem is that it's not, what I thought about last week was, perhaps if we don't introduce what I just explained now, you might think that the, what you need to do is rid the mind of Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vinyas, and then that could be a teaching of Arupa, which is not what it is. So hence, I thought, let's add this to this theory. And now, it will make sense to you that ridding the mind of Rupa is not what you need to do. You just need Rupa to adjust to whatever the Rupa that comes in. It just needs to be able to accommodate whatever comes in. So, whatever Vedana comes in, whatever Sanya, Sankara and Vijnana comes in, the mind should simply be prepared and ready to accept it. Okay? Because what I explained to you last week was, we could remove this. Now, someone could misinterpret that as, right, okay, so we don't need Rupa, get rid of Rupa. So, you got to be very careful. That's what I thought, actually, a better explanation of that would be. Let the Rupa be. And these Rupas, these, these stages of the process, they are free to move and they will always accommodate whatever comes in. So, now it doesn't matter what the shape was. In fact, last week, if you remember, I drew a a square like this, and then I said, if we wanted to get a different kind of shape, then all I could do was draw a longer box. But now, we don't need to do that. Any shape can go, whether that's a square, a rectangle, hmm, or a circle. Provided that these screws move on their axis and allow those objects to move, now you don't have any problem. There's no friction. Make sense? However, what... What generally happens in the mind because of ignorance and attachment? I'll 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 show you exactly what ignorance, attachment, right, wanting. These elements are in our example here, in our uh, in our simile here. Okay. This fixedness, which prevents this these screws from moving. And therefore, allowing these objects to pass through, this fixedness, is your um, is your wanting. Okay? Let's start with ignorance. Ignorance, you know what ignorance is. Ignorance is, is, your, is your thinking that There's a particular shape, there's a particular way, this my way, which brings you pleasure, right? And that is what happiness is, that is what joy is, so therefore you expect it from the outside world. Now, we know that ignorance is the ignorance of anicca, dukkha and anatta, right? That is what ignorance is. Ignorance is the ignorance of anicca, dukkha and anatta. You could say that ignorance is the ignorance of something worldly, but when we talk about the Dhamma and we talk about suffering, it is the ignorance of these three things. What is the ignorance of Anicca? The ignorance of Anicca is that all things are conditional. What you have in the world are conditional manifestations, not fixed things. That is why I brought the Scrabble bag along with me today again, just to remind you and take another example so that it will make sense. Okay? So we will talk through a few examples so it is clear to you. All things in this world they are manifestations of a process. Now, they may not make a whole lot of sense to you immediately, but hang in there. I'll explain all these things one step at a time. Let's take an object, for instance. I um, Let's say we took hmm, any object. All right, let's take this. This is just an object. Okay? This object, uh, say it's a ball. You know that it is made out of atoms. Okay? So there are small particles that make this up. Something that looks like this. Now, this much science has figured. there are small particles that make this up. Okay? And those particles can be further divided into atoms and then electrons and protons and neutrons and you can just keep on going. If you zoomed in, if you say put this under the electron microscope or something stronger, what you begin to see, and this is, scientists now understand this, these, these concepts that these are atoms which coexist with each other. So these are protons and neutrons. Okay? And you have these electrons that are around them. So, particle science, which is, I'm only showing this, reminding this to you so that we can apply this concept here. Okay? This is not what we are here to learn. This is not a physics or a chemistry class. Okay? So we have these atoms which make up this object. Okay? I've just zoomed into this. And these particles they coexist with each other because there's a force that acts amongst these particles. There's an energy. Right? These are particles are always in motion, and that motion creates an attraction between, between them, and that attraction keeps these particles together. Fair enough? Okay. So this is elementary science. Maybe not elementary, but you learned it for all of those and so on. Now, you'd know, if we took if we put in more energy into this, by doing something like heating, indeed, right? If you put in more energy, now these particles, they begin to, they, they attract, or they, they absorb that energy, and that energy starts to expand, right? These, these particles, there's the space between them, and... Uh, they, 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 they they start to expand and then they move away from each other. Okay? If you took out the energy in this system, right, then what happens is these particles come closer, okay? And this is how, you know, we get water and um, ice and, and vapor and so on. So you simply add and remove energy from a system and that system changes, okay? So this is basically particle science. Now, this is an object that we are trying to pass through this pipe. What we know is, these particles, there's, there's an inter-atomic or inter energy that keeps these particles bound and in place, and what happens is, if these, these energies stop to, stop functioning, right, if those energies stop working, now you no longer have this object in this configuration. So really, it is thanks to this energy that these particles are together and therefore you see this object. Does that make sense? Right? I'll explain that to you once again. There's an object which is made out of particles. There's an energy that acts between these particles that keeps it in that shape and in that configuration. You can take out energy from the system, you can put in energy to this system and by doing that this system changes. Ok, the shape changes for instance. So it is the energy then that keeps this object in this shape. So if you take a block of ice and you heat it or just put it out in the sun, what happens? There are particles that make up that, that ice, that cube of ice, right, it absorbs the energy and now there is lots of energy and that energy pushes these elements apart, the, the water elements it pushes them apart, the water particles, and therefore, it goes from a state of solid to a liquid. And keep doing it further, it goes from liquid to a gas. Yeah. Now take the energy back out again, you can reverse that process. Now, what does that teach us? So, thanks to science, we can now understand something from that concept. I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain to you the concept of nature. Okay. What we can understand from that is it is energy that keeps these particles in place in this shape in perfect unison it is this energy that does that so by changing this energy we change what we see on the outside meaning if energy keeps this you know that these electrons keep flying around you know these atoms and so on right? it's energy that keeps this this whole thing together And that keeping this thing together is a process. It's not a thing. It's a process. In fact, this here, ladies and gentlemen, is not an object. (laughs) You'll be like, what? This here is a process. Are you happy and willing to accept that? (laughs) Or we'll have to go back to Montessori again, right? Because we have to unlearn everything we've learned and relearn everything from the beginning. I I have, you know, behold a process. This is not an object. You see it as an object because it manifests as an object. What manifests as an object? There are particles that make this up and there's an energy that works between these particles and it's that energy which keeps these particles in motion and bound to each other that's a process you know if, you, if two people held hands like this and it's because of that, them holding hands that they stop each other from walking away or departing right? isn't this a process? see there's always energy acting on this so there's a process this arm is pulling on this and this is pulling on that and right, these two things they're, they're held together this is a process yeah? So, this process is what keeps these two things together. In the same way, there are, there are a billion processes, all the prob- most likely the same, but there are a billion instances of these processes acting between these particles that keep this in this shape. What you see is an object, because you don't see the energies that keep this object in this shape. Now, what does that teach us then? Nothing is fixed. Exactly. All things you see around you is a function of energy. So much so that you know that science at one point said this. Yeah? That energy is ultimately mass and mass is ultimately energy and you can convert between the two things. Right? So it is really energy that keeps these substances together, the molecules, the particles together, and the particles themselves are also products of energy. We will cross that barrier a bit later. Okay? How is particle ultimately energy? But Einstein has already taught us that lesson. So we don't really need to dig much deeper to find the answers there. But at least if you know that there are particles and those particles are kept together through energy, now you understand that you can't simply study objects by studying particles you need this concept and the understanding of energy to understand that these things are in this shape, in these configurations because of energy. So it's it's a function of energy. If it's a function of energy, then you'll have to admit that this is a process. All objects are a manifestation of a multitude of processes which ultimately make visible To you this shape so you see now we want to put this through this tube okay this object needs to now pass through this tube this is what we want if you understand the nature of this what I've just explained to you if your mind accepts and acknowledges and understands this concept now the mind does not expect a fixed entity You no longer expect a fixed entity but rather what you expect is a fluctuation of energy transient and therefore you are always willing and ready and prepared to see it change at any time. Because it's not a fixed object. I'll keep throwing examples at you until you get it. It's fine. Okay, and most of you will have been in Guru's sermons, in the singular sermons and so on, so most of you will probably know and understand some of these ideas, but if not, it's perfectly fine. Let's take another example. Hopefully what you'll understand from this is that a product cannot be abstracted from its causes. An effect cannot be removed from its causes. Remember, let's go back to our childhood. Okay? When you were in nursery or preschool. You used to play Ring the Ring a Roses. Yeah? Did you all have a childhood? Good. Still there? What did we used to do? We stood in a circle. Hmm? So that was you. Your best friend. Your next best friend. People you really didn't like. So you made sure you stood right as far away from them as possible. Right? And now you stand like this. Right? Each one extends their arm. Yeah? What do you see now? A circle. You see a circle, right? If they all let go, now they are just children standing, but to form and complete this circle, they must all extend their arms and hold each other. Yeah? That's what completes the circle. Now that the circle is formed, so now we have a circle. You see a circle here, right? right? You see something like this. Okay? So now that we have the circle... They could all go home now, can't they? Can't they? So you say right, children come on, form a circle. Neither no, they will form a circle. Right, fine, we have the circle now, you can all step aside please. I'm trying to explain to you the concept of aniksha. Okay. What if they now walked away? Where's the circle? But wait, there was a circle. Where did the circle go? Where did it come from? Hmm? Where did the circle come from? Did they all have a circ- piece of a circle in their pockets? Huh? And then they came out and they stood like this and they all you know, contributed their part of the circle and then the circle was formed and now it's there, now they can all walk away?
1: Hmm?
0: Can they do that now? So, isn't there a circle here? There is. So, if the circle is now formed, what is the need for these children here? Now they could all go away, wouldn't they? And they can now go and form something else. Maybe another circle. So, is there a circle or isn't there a circle? (laughs) Yes. This is why you, you know, when asked the question, does it exist or does it not exist? Right? When, when, when this duality was put to the Buddha, he remained silent. Because that is not what he wishes to teach. When you think that there is a circle here, you, your mind tries to interpret a fixed circle. A discrete entity. Do you not see that this is simply a process? Each of these players they contribute some energy to this system right that energy that contribution of energy each of these people taking part in this process of holding hands is what and and standing in this fa- in this order right you you can't just stand haphazardly you know wherever you want you need to stand in this in this pattern and then hold hands right and that's what gives you the impression that there is a circle here But really, it is only an impression, isn't it? But you can't say that there is no circle. That would be wrong. How are they stood? In a circle. They're stood in a circle. But now that you see the circle, if you ask them to walk away, we've got our circle now, thank you very much, you can go away now. They're going to take the circle with them, aren't they? The moment someone walks away, what happens to the circle? It's no longer a circle. So, so who, was it this guy then who brought the circle here? If when he walks away, there is no longer a circle, then surely he must be the person who brought the circle here, right? Is there a circle now? Not a complete circle, right? So if a circle is a complete path, okay, then there is no circle now, right? Okay, so he comes back, ah, now we have a circle, so he must be the, the lord of the circles. <laughs> oh, the lord of the ring. So, so should we crown him and tell him he's king because he's the one who made the circle? Okay, then the other guy goes, "Oh, fine then. He gets crowned. Fine, Uh I'll go away now. Now where's the circle again? Where's our ring? It's gone. So did he take it with him? In fact, if you stopped him, you know, and you checked him, are you going to find the circle in his pocket? Did he walk away with the circle? Hmm? Young or old, adults, whoever, I want you to contemplate on this. This is a very profound concept I'm trying to explain to you in simple words. So, hang in there. Tune in. You get it. I'm sure you will get it. I promise you. So, who brought the circle then? Who brought the circle? So, they all brought the circle. Do they need to know that they are forming a circle? In fact, if you blind blind, blindfold, thank you. Thank myself. (laughs) If you were to blindfold all of these people, right, and you say, right, children, stand up. Right, now blindfold. Right, now you come and stand here. You, You bring them by their hands. Okay, you bring them by their hands, and you stand them in this pattern. And now you say, right, extend your arms, and then Whatever you feel, hold it, right? And that's the other person's arm. So are you now stand them in a circle. Do they know that they are now stood in a circle? No, because you blindfolded them. So do they need to know that they are forming a circle? For a, for a circle to be here? No. So they don't need to know. Therefore, you can't tell me that they made the circle. Because they didn't know that they were making a circle. You can't tell me that they brought the circle here because they didn't know in the first place that they were coming here to form a circle or a ring. What you see here, this ring is simply a manifestation. This is the concept of a manifestation. A manifestation is not an object, although... You look at an object and you say, that's a manifestation. I'm trying to explain, uh, you know, what I'm really trying to do is, I'm trying to give you a, a good foundation, so that when in future I say, this is a manifestation, I want you to understand what I mean by a manifestation. It's not an object. Because I will tell you, this is a manifestation. And you think, okay, all objects are manifestations. Yes, if you understood it in the way I intended for you to understand it. But this is an object. See? It's a hard, solid object. But then I say it's a manifestation. What does Swami say mean when he says it's a manifestation? This is what I mean. There are the constituent parts of this. Each, either knowingly or unknowingly, contribute to the process that manifests this as what you see it. So this is not a fixed object. Does that make sense to all of you? Yeah, in fact, in fact, unknowingly. Your knowing of it has has nothing to do with it. Your knowing it has nothing to do with it. Now, you know, you know how your bodies are formed, right? You know what you look like. Did you know that before it was looked like this? No. you found out this is what you look like. Rather than you had a plan for how you want to look like and then you formed your body in this shape, right? You remember the first day you walked in front of the mirror? Right? And he said, "What a mess! <laughs> is this the best God could do?" Huh? So you didn't need to know what a human being, a, a man or a woman, needs to look like. It was there, and then you got to know. That is because I and the object come first, knowing, or the consciousness to know comes later. One is pure jata, the other is pacche jata. If that just went all over your head, don't worry. We'll come back to that later. So knowing has no... You don't need knowing in this world. Although, you know, the whole world now is stood on this pedestal of knowledge and knowledge seems to be everything and all things and everything. You know, knowledge is just overrated. You don't need knowledge for all this. You just need the principle of cause and effect. Whether you know it or not, the principle of cause and effect is what is in action. Let me come back to this. I just want you to get this into your heads. Make sure you understand what I am trying to explain to you here. What do I mean by a manifestation? If any one of these children would walk away, you no longer see a ring. But that does not mean that it was they who brought the ring here. There was no ring to bring here. What's that? There was no ring to bring here and there is no ring to take away from here. The ring is simply a manifestation of all of the energies, of all of the processes that you see here. This or the causes. So really what you see here is an effect of a multitude of causes. Each of these causes contribute to this effect. It's an effect. Let me give you another example. So we talk examples until you really get this concept, and then we talk about what happens here. Um, when you listen to music, okay, let's say uh, music that has lots of different instruments, or say uh, a mixer of, beat, mix of beats. Right. So, for instance, you might have, uh, say, this is this is one beat, okay. That is a cause, and you hear the effect. Yeah? Right. Now let me change the effect. Let me separate the causes again. That was one cause on its own. That was another cause on its own. What you hear now, is there a third instrument here? Hmm? <laughs> but you hear something that you didn't hear when the two causes were there on their own. Yes or no? Yeah. Where did that come from? That's a manifestation. That is an effect. Now listen to this. That's another manifestation. Because now the two causes have changed. So really what you observe and interpret, perceive as a product or an effect is simply a change in the causes. What was previously is now To change the effect, what did you do? Did you bring in another instrument? No. You just changed the causes. And now those causes contribute. The same causes contributed right from the start. You know, there's no change in the number of causes that are contributing. It's simply the way in which they contribute. So therefore, a change in the process, which now effects, which now delivers, renders a different effect. So, how do you separate an effect from its causes? Can you? Where's the circle? Where's the ring that you can take away from these children who are stood here and holding hands? Can you separate the ring from the children or the children from the ring? No. Because it is these causes that contribute to manifest the effect. The same thing happens here. The particles that make this up are the very particles that make this up. <laughs> it is their contribution. It is those causes whose coming together and staying together. That process is what you see here, folks, as a, as a manifestation. And this is what you call a pen. Now, if you listen to, you know, any song, for instance, right? There has been multiple instruments, right? Maybe a flute, a violin, right? an organ, a cymbal, right? All of these instruments, they contribute to the end product. Now, if you, if you wanted to change what you, what you hear, if you wanted to change how it sounds, all you can do is go back and change the causes, because you understand that it is the influence of the causes, the effect of the causes that you experience. That's why you go back and change that. So if you had a mixer, for instance, right, in those dials you can turn up and down, right, and if you were a music product, a producer, right, you, you would listen to the end product, and you would change the, the the settings on that, you know, a little bit more of this, a little bit less of this, you know, turn up the bass, turn down the treble, turn turn up the mid, put on the reverb effect and so on. You you, you keep adjusting these settings so that until you get the expected or the desired result. So that desired result, that result, can you separate it from its causes? Can you? No. So if you can't separate a result from its causes, then where is separation? But you feel You feel that there is something separate from everything else. What were you going to say, madam? Exactly. You can't separate a result from its causes. You can't separate entities in these objects from the very things that make them what they are. Wood, oxygen, and temperature. These are the three causes that make a light of fire, yeah, how does a, um, what do you call them, firefighters, how does a firefighter come and put out a fire, yes, ah, no, no, they take away the fire, don't they, they bring this big uh, wagon, right, into which they pack all the fire, right, and they take it and they, <laughs> they put, they throw it somewhere in the, in the forest or somewhere, and then they have wildfires, that's how this that happens, Huh? Or do they take it home with them? And for that you, they, you pay them something. Do they, do they take the fire with them? No. Did someone bring a fire there to be taken away? No. Because a fire is a manifestation. A fire is simply an effect that manifests thanks to the causes that are working in, process, in a process. So that is why when you want a fire... You bring the causes together, and you don't, when you don't want a fire, you take out just one cause, and then the fire no longer exists. So you always listen to music, right, all your lives, but you didn't stop to think that this effect that I hear right now is simply an effect that is a manifestation of lots of these causes that are always in, 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 in work, in, in motion. You can't separate the effect from its causes. That's the principle I want you to get into your minds. Now make sure that you've got it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I didn't say okay. That's the thing, you
0: know, you can't say that it's not there, right? If someone says, no, there's no pen here then whack it at them and ask them, are you sure there is no pen here? There is. What there isn't is something fixed. But what there is, is an effect that manifests. So, let's not try and understand this world as is and is not. Yeah? Because when you when you think that this world is full of fixed entities, now you immediately start to think of there is and there isn't. That is the way that the mind wishes to interpret. You know, when, a mind, when a mind experiences this separation, which is jati, right? from there on, everything else the, the mind perceives is jati dhamma. Meaning, separate things. So when something is there, it has to be there, or not be there. right? Can you read me? Do you understand what I am saying? Hey, when you talk about things, a thing is either there, or it's not there. Yeah? But, that's, the reason you talk in those words, in the, in, in, in the, in the language, is because you feel that there is, a, there is a thing there. It's not a thing, it's a process. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. When it's a process, you cannot say it's there now. Because it's always in the making. It's always in the making. Like, you know, a fountain, for instance. Right? A fountain is simply water being spurted up Right? And then it, it falls. Right? So this is a process, isn't it? Would it be reasonable and sensible to say that is a fountain and think of it as a fixed object? When there is a power cut, where is the fountain? Did, did the electricity board come and take the fountain with them? Is that why you ring them? Bring me back my fountain. And they say, what fountain? We never, we never took any fountain. Huh? When you went to the shop, right, to, to buy this, I don't know how you make a fountain, like a mortar or something, right, when you went to the uh, the home deco store or whatever, right, did you buy a fountain? No, you bought the, the courses, yes, you bought, you bought the courses, but you, could, you didn't buy one of the courses, that was electricity and water. That you didn't buy from that shop, right, you went to B&Q or wherever, you got it, and you, no, they don't have B&Q yet, what do they have here? I can't say those names out loud, right? They'll have to edit it out. Okay, so you went to that store, and you got it, right? And you brought it home, you fit it to the electricity, you put it into a pond, now you have the water, and you switch the, you flick on the switch. Now, all those causes, electricity, the water, right, the mechanical energy, right? All of these work together, they don't know what they're trying to make is a fountain. Do you know the water thing? that Okay, let's go be a fountain today. Huh? Does the, water, does the water know this? No, does the electricity come in through those wires thing? right, let's call, go and make a fountain today? No. They don't know that. In fact, the motor that you brought home to make this fountain, you doesn't know that it's, it's, it's been brought to make a fountain. Only you and I know that. Because we have these things called drushti. It is through drushti we, we interpret the world. But interpretations don't need to exist in particles. They don't need to exist in this world. Interpretation is simply something we use for our convenience. That's what interpretation is needed for. And then when you misinterpret something, then you make suffering. When you correctly interpret something, you just understand how things work. That's the only difference. You know, put it really plainly and simply, when you misinterpret something, you create suffering. When you simply interpret something the way it is, you don't create suffering, you just understand how the world is. That is what Vedana, Sanya, Sankara and Vijnana. So, did you bring a fountain? No. You, you couldn't, see like, you know, bring that object, that the, the motor home and, you know, keep it in your living room and then, you know, expect a fountain to appear out of nowhere. Because you didn't bring a fountain. But on the picture of the box that it was packed in, it had a picture of a fountain, right? Yeah? So, could you expect that in the box they have a fountain? <laughs> <laughs> because they have a picture of it. So you bring it home, open the box, there's a the fountain. It doesn't work like that. What they're saying is, here's one of the causes. That's what, you're, that's what you paid for. Here's one of the causes, so that you could take this course which you didn't have at home, and you couldn't make it at home, so I'm going to, we've sold you this course, take it home, and manifest the fountain. Sir?
2: Yes.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: Ah, very good question. Shall we come to that point a little bit later? Because what you're asking requires me to explain a, little, a few more things, okay? But, park it, in case I forget, you can ask me that question again. So, we were talking about manifestation, right? These are the, the, the constituent elements, the components, right? They, they, contribute, they, they contribute to a, this process which brings this, Effect which manifests that, yeah. So the fountain is, is, a, is a good example of that. Uh, let's take another one. Um, say um, say friendship. That's another good example. Friendship. Okay, two people. They are friends. They 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 do things together. They go out together. They you know they live together. Right? They're happy together. Can you keep Can you keep friendship but without the friends? As in, you know, these two people, they're friends. Hmm? Friendship is simply the product of what they contribute to each other, right? So, this guy puts in something, this guy puts in something, and in this middle, in the middle, you have this thing called friendship. So, they are both contributing to that. So, you can't have this guy walk away and still have friendship. Because friendship is not something he brought. Friendship is not something he brought, either. It is together, they contribute, but something that didn't exist until these two people came together, now all of a sudden exists. But it wasn't in their pocket. So he didn't have friendship on his own, did he? Do you understand what I'm trying to explain to you here? Something that they didn't have on their own, when they came together it just appeared magically out of nowhere. You can't even call him a friend until these two people meet each other. You know, he's just a man. He's maybe a woman. Whatever. right? Until they meet each other, you can't say they are friends. But the moment they come together, now they talk amongst themselves, they share something, and now you say these are their friends. And now they have this something. This something beautiful called a friendship. It was... Where did it come from? Did he bring it? Did they bring it? No. When the two of them came together, did someone else come and say, Oh, here's your friendship. You forgot to take it when you went, left home. And they brought it? No. It is a manifestation. You say this, they are a couple, for instance. How does a couple form? Hmm? Does this person have half a couple? Do they have half a couple? No. But when the two of them come together, now there's a couple. In
1: fact, some people say one person losing a link could affect a friendship.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah.
1: Because one of the causes is of that person is the link. Yeah, yeah. Uh, has
0: has a full full body, right? Yeah, because you know there are there are multi, multiple causes, there are multiple reasons why this person might wish to form a friendship with another person. Yeah, maybe it's the way they look, maybe it's the way they talk, maybe, you know, it's the way they dress, whatever, right? But neither of them brought in a portion of friendship and added to a bottle or, a, you, know, a, 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 you know, something, and then all of a sudden you, they both look, ah, oh, yeah, we get friendship now. It's not a portion that you can cook. That's not how it works. But something that didn't exist when they were separate, formed in their union. Uh, An example Guru Tera always uses in his examples, is uh, sodium and chlorine. Yeah? If you took this into your kitchen, you had better wear some protective equipment. Yeah? When it comes into contact with water, lots of damage can happen. And this, it's corrosive. Right? So you would never have this, you would never consume this and neither would you do that. But when the two of them are put together, now you have something very harmless and something that is indispensable. You can't do without it. Yeah, food doesn't taste good without this or this. Which one? (laughs) Absolutely, sir. Even this is a manifestation. On its own, it's a manifestation. So it's not just the sodium and the chlorine coming together and sodium chloride being a manifestation. Sodium on its own is a manifestation. The reason I'm not explaining, I'm not going that far is because then I won't be able to explain the concept to you. But you're very right to say that. Everything is a manifestation. Even the causes are a manifestation. Because otherwise you'll be able to separate causes and effects in this world. That is not so. Every cause is a manifestation. Every cause is an effect which in turn is a cause, is an effect, and a cause again, and then an effect, and so on. So the reason that you are there like that is because there's a butterfly flapping its wings somewhere in Hawaii. Because that is a cause that's contributing to this manifestation. This whole world is interconnected. Everything is interconnected. Everything and anything. They're all interconnected. You're starting to experience this, when people engage in, you know, activities that destruct the world. In our eyes, it's a destruction. Now, this might answer in some way the question that the gentleman asked earlier. In our eyes, that is destruction, deforestation, for instance, right? Uh, harming, polluting the environment. It is harming the environment through our eyes, because we have an image of what the environment needs to be like. But to someone who has no say in it, it's just the way it is. Who cares? If you ask the Martians, for the Martians, people who live on Mars, right? If you ask the Martians, right? Should we be, uh, you know, uh, pumping out all these noxious fumes into the air? They'll be like, talk to them. I don't care. Because to them, they don't care whether this is polluted or not. Because they don't have a say in it. They don't have a specific configuration that they want. That's why the gentleman asked earlier, you know, how do we know that, you know, when do we stop combining these causes? When do we stop and say, right, that's the pen. There is no pen here. In fact, this thing was not made to write. Now I know you you think, now Swamina has gone completely nuts. (laughs) <laughs> he, was, he was he was he was fine when he used to be a layperson. <laughs> uh, we used to talk, listen to him and it made sense. He talked about the four great healths. Now he's saying that this is not even a pen. <laughs> you have a question, madam? Okay. Uh, let me complete what I was going to say and I'll answer that question. Okay. The reason I say that this is not this, this is not an object that's made to write, folks. If you ask this. Imagine this could talk, this could speak, right? You go and ask this chap, Hey, what are you here for? What's he going to say? I don't know. I'm going to use you to write. Okay, if you can do that, then so be it. You know, does your water bottle know that it's a water bottle? This thing doesn't know it's a pen. That's why you can use this as a door stopper. It, it doesn't protest. Hmm? Think about some of the objects that you have at home. Like say for example your, your cycling machine. You, know, you brought, home, brought it to do some exercise at home. Your, your bike, what do you call it? The, uh, the bike that you, used to, you have at the gym, what's it called? Cycling bike, yeah, cycling? cycle. Okay, the exercise bike, yeah. No, so that's what it was. Someone made it for that. But what do you use it at home for now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to put your wet clothes on to dry, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. See, you know what I mean. That's because the bike doesn't know that it's a bike. If it did, do you think? It's going to let you come close to it, even with a with a wet piece of cloth. No, so like, go away. What do you think I am? <laughs> How much did you pay for it? That clothes hanger. <laughs> it cost you a fortune, and now you use it to put your to dry your clothes on. That's what I'm saying. You know these things. They didn't come into this world to serve the purposes that you think they came in. It's only in your mind. You think that this is a pen. That's when, you know, that's how you stop at some point, you know, to make this, you have to do something, right? On the production line, right? They are going through various steps in this process of making this, yeah? So, first of all, they'll get the plastic from somewhere, right? And then they'll melt it, maybe. And then they'll have to find the ink that goes into it. And then they'll have to find the print that goes onto this. And then there's a sticker here. There's a... You know, some kind of labeling that, you, that they need to find so that they can put it around this, right? Then there's the barrel and then there's the nib, right? They need to go, they need to find these things and then they fit it all together in one, in, in, in some configuration. There's a blueprint for this, right? So that blueprint is based on what you want this to be. If someday you decide that, no, you know what? We no longer want to make black pens, we want to make red pens. Now you change the process according to that. If you don't want this to stop at being a pen, let's say you want this to go and become a, a fountain pen, right? You won't stop at this. You'll continue the process. So, where you stop this process depends on whom? Depends on you. They who make this object. So, therefore, this object has no predetermined, I am here to be this mentality. Sound like Greek? I'll explain to you again. Wait, uh, let's take uh, okay, a good example, right? You all have milk rice, hmm? Milk rice in your tissue. Huh? Say you're cooking milk rice at home, right? So, what do you do? You first get the rice, okay? And you go and boil that. Then you have uh, coconut, right? Now you're scraping the coconut, okay? So, say you've got this coconut scraped, you've got the rice, you know, semi-boiled or whatever. Now, your, you know, someone at home, say your husband walks in. He says, oh, we have rice today. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, we have rice today. Or he looks at the coconut and goes, oh, we're going to have coconut today. Are you going to make some coconut pudding or something? Because, you know, he immediately projects his intention, what he wants, what he desires, what he, how he interprets that, he, he he projects onto that. So where do you decide when to stop bringing these causes together? When all the boxes are ticked in your mind. That's when you go, no, this is not rice, we are going to make milk rice. So you better not dip your fingers into that yet. Here's the coconut we are going to make. you know, Part of that needs to go into making Bolsambal. Uh, and part of it is to make the the, uh, the, the milk rice. Yeah? So, so, you see, you decide how these components come together, form together, coexist together, right? You decide that because you are the one with the agenda. This pen has no agenda. It did not come into this world to serve as a pen. That's not its purpose. In fact, it serves no purpose. Now, in the same vein, I'll admit that long time ago I said, this is a pen and it's here to write, not for you to write. Yeah, remember when we talked about belonging? Right? Now I'm trying to explain a slightly different concept. So you're going to have to jump between the two depending on what I'm trying to explain to you here. Right? Those days I said, this is a pen, it's here to write, it's not for you to write. That time I was trying to explain to you that this concept of belonging is simply madness. Right? This writes for anybody and everybody. Therefore, you can't say that this is my pen and it's here for me to write. I was trying to explain to you there the fallacy of that concept. So, that's not what I'm trying to explain to you here. Here what I'm trying to explain to you is there are particles that make this up. None of those particles have an agenda of being a pen. Therefore, the product, the end product, which is this pen that you see in my hand, its intention of coming to this world, its purpose of coming to this world, well, there is none. It did not come into this world to be a pen. That's why you got to decide when to stop. You know, don't things go wrong when you try to produce something? Take another good example of when you try to print something. Okay? You're drafting a document, right? And then you press the print button at the wrong time. Okay? Now something comes out the printer and it's not what you wanted. Lots of typos, right? Mistakes, whatever. Okay? Or the alignment is wrong, right? Indentations are wrong. Yeah? So, now you think, ah, I shouldn't have pressed the print button. I was just to be too quick to press the print button. Did the printer know that? Did Word know that? No. The only person who knew that was you, because it was only in your mind, there was an agenda of when when to press the print button. That's why, when you got that wrong, the wrong document came out of the printer. Maybe you printed the wrong document. Is the printer going to say, no, that's not what you wanted to print, mister. It's the other one. Is the printer going to tell you that? No, because the printer is not here to print. It's just there. These are just objects. The way that they work together, you decided for them. Because that is why when the same plastic goes into a manufacturing plant, okay, part of that come out as a pen, another part come out as a bottle, another part comes out as a chair. Right? The same manufacturing plant can make all these different objects but it's the same plastic that went in. The same, the same raw materials went in, and it comes out as different things. Therefore, you, you're going to have to uh, agree that the raw materials did not have. I was. I am going to be so and so. It was the agenda that the manufacturer, the producer had, which he or she then manifested into the product that they that you get at the end. This is the concept of manifestation. So now. In a world that is entirely manifested, okay? Here's the application of Anicca to suffering. In a world that is entirely manifested, how come you feel that you are a self, an identity that is fixed, that you are a unique person, that you are very different and very separate from everyone else, and you are you? How do you feel that? That feeling, something has to be wrong about it. It can't be so. In much the same way that you, you shouldn't be able to see a separate pen here. I mean, not I don't mean you know physically. Physically and visibly, you'll see a pen here. But now you should be able to understand and interpret that this is not a pen, but rather these are a million trillion processes working in perfect harmony. That is what manifests this. Yeah? Now you understand that. So, try and project that knowledge, that wisdom onto what you are seeing right now. And then you will see magic, but you will understand the logic. That is what I am asking you to do here. It is okay to see the magic. This is magic. But, don't perceive magic. Perceive the logic. But, see the magic. That is fine. If you are a, if you are a magician... And you are the one who performs the tricks, right? Now, look at this from that perspective. Because the magician performing the trick knows that it's not magic. But it's only magic to the spectators, right? That's why you pay big money, to go and see magic. But the person doing the magic is not going to pay anything because you (laughs) know That's just a foolery of the eye. Yeah? So, in the same way, look at this object. You can see a pen. See, take a moment and see if you can project what I have just explained to you as a manifestation onto this through your third eye or your wisdom eye. This object won't change. You know, in my younger years, I used to think that once you understand, understood the Dhamma, you would begin to see how, <laughs> you would begin to see how all these particles form, right, and then they would all just fall apart like the matrix. Right? You see those numbers, right, how Neo sees the world. The eye, because someone told me, that's how, that's how you know that you have understood the Dhamma. Oh my God. So I was waiting, I was contemplating and meditating, sitting down to see, you know, at some point I'm going to be able to see this object, you know, its, its constituent elements, right? how it's all, you know, coming together and, 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 and you know, going apart and coming together again. And people said this was a, a fluctuation, a vibration. And I was hoping to see the vibrations in this. I think they would have taken me if I had stayed longer. (laughs) They did. They took me to the fountain of knowledge, of wisdom. So Guru came into my life. So so you see, look at this, but see if you can project the wisdom that you now have, this manifestation, through your mind's eye. See if you can interpret this as simply a series, a bundle, a collection of forces, energies that keep particles together, those particles themselves are also manifestations. Right? Like the gentleman said earlier. They're also manifestations. But see if you can project that knowledge, that wisdom onto this. Now you'll begin to see that this being like this is a magic. You know, this is, the the fact that this this is here like this, in this way, when there are so many forces in action, when there's heat with this, cool, and there's, you know, all the other forces acting around, the fact that this being like this, is a miracle. It's not really, but you know, from one perspective you could think, well, you know, just the fact that all these causes are like this in one nice neat package, and nothing's changing about it, you know, that seems to be a miracle. See if you can project that that wisdom onto this. Hmm? Then you'll begin to understand that, ah, Okay, although this looks like a static object, inside it's just, not really inside, the whole thing is just a, it's just a dynamic bundle of energies and, and, and forces, right? All interacting, yeah? All interacting on each other. That's what's going on here. So this is the, this is the nature. This is why they, we say this is Anitya. This has the characteristic of anicca. The eagle light among you might actually catch me and ask me the question, but then Swami Nuhana could you say that this is anicca? (laughs) Yeah. You know, as the moment we start talking about this concept, I can no longer talk about these objects. So I couldn't tell you that this was anicca. Because the moment you say this, You've already fixed it. Yeah? So that's like saying something fixed is not fixed. That makes no sense. That is why all I can tell you folks is I present to you processes. I present to you interaction of energies. I can't tell you this is a pen. But do we stop calling this a pen from today? No. Because we live in a conventional world. Yeah? So in a conventional world we use convention to communicate, to understand and to live a comfortable life. So you don't need to now stop referring to this as a pen, right? Or just call in, can you please pass me that bundle of energies? Who knows what people will pass you? <laughs> right? So we simply call it and refer to them by their accepted and conventional names. That's why Nibbana is simply a realization of the mind. We don't, we don't try to enact our realization when we interact with others. On the outside, you shouldn't be able to tell a Rahatanvance. You shouldn't be able to tell a Ratanasi from the outside. Who knows? Perhaps some of you are Rahans. Or maybe almost. Who knows? Because that's not something I should be able to tell from the outside. It's simply a state of mind. The mind which understands and interprets and perceives the way the world really is. The way that the world is Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, and Vijnana. coming back here, and that they are all Anicca. I explained to you about rupa because this is the easiest one to explain to you, because rupa I can hold in my hand, right, and say this is anicca. Well, what about vedana then? The problem is vedana is I can't I can't bring you something and show you. See, see, vedana is anicca. That's the difficult part of it. But if you if you look at most of the teachings in the Tripitaka, right, when a monk when a, when the Buddha would come come face to face with a with a meda monk, he you know he would say. Uh, he would give a very short discourse the Buddha would say Mahana or bhikkhu, right, monk Rupa is Anicca do you understand that or the I is Anicca and the monk says yes, I understood it sir what else do you understand then Vedana is also Anicca, Sanya is also Anicca Sankara is also Anicca and vijnana is also Anicca excellent, you've got it, now go and practice (laughs) that was it because it's easier to explain the concept of rupa, being anicca, you know, even to someone who is, you know, who, who's not, you know, super wise, you can still uh, explain the concept of anicca through a rupa because, it's, you know, it's a material thing, yeah. So, but now i must, what I'm asking you to do? I'm, I'm taxing your wisdom here. I'm asking you, I'm expecting you to think through what I have explained to you using this rupa and see if you can work through the vedana, Sanya, Sankara and Vinyana in the same way, although they are not material things. They are still the same principle. Vedana is also Anicca. Vedana is a manifestation. Sanya is a manifestation. It's not an object, it's not a thing, it's not a fixed entity. It's a manifestation. Sankara is also a manifestation. That's why they say Rupa Samudaya, um, uh, Avidya Samudaya, Rupa Samudaya, Tanha Samudaya, Rupa Samudaya, Karma Samudaya, Rupa Samudaya,
1: hmm?
0: Ahara Samudaya, Rupa Samudaya, and so on. Nibbati Lakana Rupa, Samudaya And the same goes for Vijnana, and the same goes for Vedana the same goes for Samana, the same goes for Sankara These are the components that manifest Rupa, Vedana, Sanjana, Sankara and Vijnana. Samudaya means Dependent Origination Okay? Dependent Origination Remember when we talked about Patita Samuppada right, right at the beginning, I always ask you this question Dependent Origination of what? Remember I drilled that into your head Dependent Origination of what? Yeah? Dukkha or Jati or suffering is also an example of the process of dependent origination. It's not the be-all and end-all of dependent origination. Everything you see around you is dependently originated. Everything and anything you see around you is a dependent origination. That origination is dependent on the causes. Those causes manifest it. That is your dependent origination. So, when someone asks you, do you understand dependent origination? Okay? This is all connected to anitra. So, That's what I said, today is going to be heavy. <laughs> nice. I gave you a warning right at the beginning, right? When someone asks you, do you understand dependent origination? It is not fair for you to say, yes, I understand dependent origination. It is avidya, pacha, sankar, pacha, vinyana, pacha, namur, pacha, and so on, right? That's the wrong answer. That is simply a formula that expresses one instance of dependent origination. That is an example of dependent origination. That is not the be all and end all of dependent origination. The problem is, it was only the Buddha who could come and show you that dependent origination also applies in your sense of a self. Because people live thinking that I am here, or I am not here. They couldn't work out how this sense of self was simply a dependent origination. Yeah. <laughs> I'm acting here in the hope that <laughs> my, my thoughts are conveyed to you, but I know that is silly. Uh, doing this and this doesn't mean two things to you, right? But to me it does. That's the problem. This means one thing, this means another thing. But only I know that. <laughs> so, anicca is synonymous with dependent origination. That's why I'm talking about it in the same vein. Anicca is synonymous with dependent origination. If someone asks you what is Anicca, you can answer dependent origination. If someone asks you what is dependent origination, you can answer Anicca. So, so, this dependent origination principle it's always been there. Even before, the Buddha came into this world and taught about how Dukkha is a dependent origination see this is what the buddha comes into this world to do to teach us that dukkha is a dependent origination okay because the principle of dependent origination now i'm not going to say that the principle of dependent origination is all in you know in its entirety existed before the buddha right because until such time as the buddha the, the advent of the buddha and he started to preach about this dependent origination this nature of anicca people thought that things exist or that they didn't exist it was one or the other, right? They said this pen is here, this pen is not here. <coughs> Which is what we talked about earlier. It's wrong to say that this pen is not here. It's like saying this circle isn't here. See, this, this, this world is bipartisan. Some will come and say, it's there. Others will say, it's not there. The world is split in these two ideas of thinking. But what we learn through the lens of Buddhism is, Dependently, a ring originates. So the ring will only be there, or the ring will only manifest, provided the dependent causes continue to be there. That is dependent origination. That's why I said, when someone asks you what is dependent origination, please don't give them the answer, ah, it is avidyapatcha, sangarapatcha, vinyanapatcha, namarupatcha, salatana. That is one example of dependent origination. That is the application of the principle of dependent origination to explain how jati comes into being. I admit, when jati comes into being, all appreciation of dependent origination goes out the window. That is true. Because the moment jati appears, now you are blind to dependent origination because you feel that things exist. So, you see, they, they feed one and the other. That, that, that's the problem. This is it's so convoluted. You, you Look at it in some ways. Anto jata, bahi jata. Yes, entirely. So, trying to unravel this and unwrap this is, is, is in itself a miracle. Because one thing confuses the other thing and that hides the other thing. And, you know, it's just a, a whole, you know, bundle of ignorance. So, it's fair that, you know, people think... I can never attain Nibbana. How can I understand all this? And then add to that all the misinterpretations, right? And then you are completely lost. But what I am asking you to do is, hang in there, right? I know some of you, you might have gotten 80% of what I have explained to you today. Some may be a bit more than that, right? Others may be 10%. Others may be hardly anything at all. But that is all okay now from time to time I'm going to throw something out there, right, a dog needs a bone to bite to do one, right, so I'm going to throw something out there, so you can, you know, start to think about this, and all the principles all the concepts, you know, this is a time for us to you know, mix everything together bring it all together and see how you can make sense of all these things you know, in this world when we experience things, we don't we don't experience Rupa or Vedana or Sanya or Sankara or Vinyana on its own so, friendship that, that concept of friendship or the experience of friendship is not just a Vedana. There is Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vinyana, all of it there. Yeah? So, there is nothing that you can experience simply as a Vedana. Even this, this is not just a Vedana. You perceived this, didn't you? Yeah? That's not just Vedana. It all happens. Because until the full process happens, you don't know about it. This is where Arammana, Vijnana happens. This is the Aramana, Vijanana process. So, this Aramana, this object, only when it reaches this point, has all of the constituent steps that need to make this perception happen, will have happened. So, therefore, even in, in an example like this, you know, although we feel that this is a, you know, a feeling that we have towards someone, it's not something that is experienced on its own. It's not a silo. It, ha- it needs to happen cohesively. All these things need to happen. So, I, I, you know, I want you to walk away today having grasped this concept of anicca as dependent origination. Because we've always learnt dependent origination as something that leads to jati, in your mind you might, when I say the word dependent origination, you might immediately put that into that box. What I'm saying is, now try and think outside that box. That's so cliche. I didn't mean to put it out that way. But try and think outside that box. It's not about the dependent origination of jati. That's why those days I used to emphasize the point and say dependent origination of what? Dependent origination itself is anitya. So therefore jati is also what? Aniccha. Isn't that the best news we've all, we've all had? Yes. <laughs> jati is a manifestation. It's not a thing it's not fixed. It's not here to haunt us forever. It's only a manifestation. Because it's a manifestation, now we can take control of that. Because we know that there are causes that lead up to that. Therefore, if we just change but one cause, now that manifestation will no longer happen. This is why the Buddha teaches us what are the, depend- what are the, what are the dependencies which originate that suffering, that jati, so that we can work on that. And that's why he brings it all the way back to ignorance and then what does he do? He preaches the Dhamma. See how good he was. He brings it all the way back to ignorance and then he preaches the Dhamma. Because what does the Dhamma do? Dispel ignorance. That's what he does. So he spends his entire life as the Buddha preaching the Dhamma, going from town to town, village to village, home to home, preaching the Dhamma. Because what Dhamma does is it dispels ignorance. Which is the most basic dependency for Jati. So, now I need you to look at everything that you see around you. I mean, that's the way we can start. And then later on we can bring it within, within ourselves. You know, even, as I said, you know, look at this pen. See if you can look at this as a dependent origination. As something that is patish paricchasa hmm? is that dependent origination. It doesn't, and as the gentleman said, it can't just come, you know, as in any fashion. It needs to come in a particular order, right? It needs to come in a particular order, in a particular style, in a particular fashion, right? That's when you know it is that product. So, for example, uh, I can take the scrabbles here, the tiles here, to give you an example. Can you see this word? It's gone. What is it now? One. Now it's gone, right? So, how do we know when to stop putting those letters up? Do you think this letter, this tile, was invented to make this word? Hmm? If it was the case, then we would be able to make only a very few words Using all these tiles, but by now, ev- almost every word in the English alphabet, in or in the English lexicon, would probably have been made, with the exception, of course, of you know, you can't make very long words, right? But at least 70, 80 percent of all the words in the English language would have been played on a Scrabble board. Yeah, that's because none of these tiles came into this word world to make a specific word. So who has the agenda for this style? The player. Isn't it? It's the player who has the agenda. So that's how you know to... That's why I can't tell which word you're going to play until you've played it and said that's it, I'm done, over to you. So that's that's what I'm trying to say. This pen didn't come into this world to be a pen. That's my point. I'm trying to express the same idea here. These tiles didn't come into this world to make this word in fact, they didn't even come into this world to be played as Scrabble. <laughs> you know, this is just a bit of plastic. If you looked at, these, at the atoms that make this up, they ask, those atoms will tell you, I didn't know that you were going to make me into plastic. I don't even know that. The protons will say, I don't know that I am part of an atom. The neutrons will say that I don't know I am sitting next to a proton. The electrons will say, I don't know that I am swirling around, a, around an atom. Or a nucleus. I don't know that. Because that knowledge is not something that things need for them to happen, for them to occur and for them to operate in this world. Knowledge is simply something that the mind has because what does the mind do? It interprets the world that is outside. Aramana, Vijanana, Lakana, Chitta. That is what the Chittas are for. To understand what goes on in the world but understanding doesn't need to happen. Do you get what I am saying? Understanding doesn't need to happen for the world to happen. Understanding is a separate process. It's like a bystander. You know, they could play a game, a game of soccer. Right? People play. You don't need the spectators for the game to be played. That's an audience. People get up on stage and they they, they perform. You don't need an audience for the performance to happen. Say, for example, when they're doing a rehearsal. There's no one in the audience, but they still perform. So the spectator simply spectates. They observe. But their presence is not essential for the performance to happen. In the same way, folks, you know, there are there's Rupa in this world. Rupas, they work, they form, there's energy in this world, and they do what they do. You don't need to know what happens. Knowing is simply, it's, a, it's, it's an auxiliary post-process. It is not part of the main process. So, what I'm trying to explain to you here is, do you, do you see Anikshya here? Don't you see the dependent origination? Hmm? Right now, what has been originated is the word gone. Okay? That is what has been originated. Do you see how it's dependent? It's dependent on this. It's dependent on this. It's dependent on this. It's dependent on this. Is it this letter that brought the word gone here? Well, then is it this letter? Is it the next one? No. Is it any of these letters? No. It's there coming together. But does this letter know that it's part of gone? Does this one know? What I mean by does it know, I don't mean you know, does it have a mind? It clearly you'll say you no, know, it doesn't have a mind song. You know, are you mad? How is it going to know? That's not what I'm saying. Does this have an agenda that it's here to form form the word gone? Does it need to have an agenda? No. Because when manifest when we talk about manifestation, those things don't know what they're here to do. Exactly. Uh, those things don't know what they are here to do. If I knew what what I was here to do, I didn't know what I came into this world to do. Uh, Only only on the day I pass away, will I be able to look back and say, ah, that's what I was here to do. Hmm? Until then, I don't know what I'm here to do. You don't know what you're here to do. Right now you think, well, you know, we are here, we live a good successful life, we are going to become a professors, you know, lecturers and musicians and scientists and mathematicians and doctors and so on. Huh? Keep dreaming. Some of you will be where I am, soon. But you can keep thinking, no, this is what I came in, to do, in this world to do. When you went first day to school, you thought, right, I'm going to be a doctor. So did I. That's the thing, you can only talk about something after the fact. That is how, how primitive knowledge is. <laughs> I'm giving you shed loads here. I don't know if you're catching all of it. Because I can only express to you in sentences, right? And sentences are only a few words. Absolutely, sir. Yeah, yeah, which is what we, we do here, right? But What I'm saying is, knowledge is simply an after-fact. Uh, you know, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's after-the-fact. Because knowledge always comes after the object. That is what vinyan is. It always comes after the object. So we can only talk about what has happened. We can. As the gentleman said, you know, what we, can't we change it? Yes, even then you are talking about what has happened. Until the thought comes into your mind, you don't know that the thought is going to come into your mind, do you? Ah, well, there you go then. Yeah. See, for example, I tell you, uh, Good morning. Now you have the word good morning in your mind. Did you know that was going to happen? No. But you, say, you could say, well, that's because we can't see the future. If we were able to see the future like the Buddha did, then he would be able to tell the future. No. Even when the Buddha sees the future, it's again a thought that has already happened in his mind. It just simply hasn't manifested yet. That's all. In the outside world. But that thought has still come into his mind. Again, there is mana. Dhamma. Paticcaya. He can't say anything until that Dhamma comes into his mind. Because then it's not a mind. A mind simply minds. For a mind to mind, this process has to happen. How, you know, for us it's Rupa Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vinyana. What do you think it's for the Buddha? Something else? No, it's still the same. Even when the Buddha speaks out, when he says something, when he preaches the Dhamma, when he talks about anicca. When he talks about this process, he talks about something that has already appeared in his mind. It, has, it will have had to come to the stage of vijnana. Until then it's not, it's not able to be spoken. Or even thought about. This is the thinking process. This is a thought. All of this as a bundle is a thought. Right? So, right, let me just come back to this. What I want you to take away from today is this concept of cause and effect. And manifestations. Can you see that this word is a manifestation? Can you see that this word is a dependent origination? Now, that's what I'm saying. Don't ask me where's the vijnana-paccaya, nama paccaya salahatana here. That is not what dependent origination is. Dependent or, the, the, the dependent origination principle is used to explain how jati comes into being. That's only one application of it. Here's another application of it. The whole world is an application of it. Therefore, we say the entire world is patichsampanna. This is a patichsampanna, an instance, an example of patichsampanna. See, this, 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 and this together they contribute to form this product. This didn't bring it, neither did this, neither did this, and neither did this. So when this goes away, it doesn't take gone with it. Hmm? It didn't take gone with it. That's why I can remove this G and put in another G, and it's still gone again. Isn't that right? It doesn't have to be this G, right? It doesn't have to be this one. If I could could put this away and take another similar tile and put it back here, and how would you read it? Same word. So, then this didn't take the gone that was here away with it, did it? No. I'm trying to explain something very abstract, and that's why it sounds like gobbledygook sometimes, but I hope you're in sync with what I'm trying to explain to you here. Do you understand now the concept of anikshya? Dependent origination. Right? So, if all things in this world, all things in this world are dependently originated, okay? Let me say that again. If all things in this world are originated dependently, or dependently originated, then, how come you feel that you are someone who is not? How come you feel that you are something that is separate? from that process, exactly. How come you feel that you are an entity that is not dependently originated, and remember again when I talk about dependently originated, another point I want to make here, this is, a, this is an even more subtle point, so please try and pay your fullest attention, this word does not appear once. Okay? This word is constantly being made right now. Okay?
1: Ah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So when you put this type, like G-O-N and you put the last letter E, right? Now you might say, ah, right, Swaminathan, now you made that word. What about now? It's still being made. Try and understand what I'm trying to explain to you here, folks. Now some will get this, some will grasp it just like that. Others will take a little time, so that's why I'm 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 going over it a few times. So everyone gets a chance to to uh, to understand this. This word is being made every moment. You don't see me putting these letters here, yes, but I only put that here just to you know so that those letters could appear in that sequence, right? But even as I after I have laid them out like this on this rack. Every moment, this word is being made. Right now, and now, and now, and now, and now. That's why at any moment I can take one away. Now it's not being made. See? Yeah? Because if it was made and fixed, now I can't change it. It matters not what letters I take away from it. But it's always being made. That's why when I take this away, now another word is being made. It's being made always, constantly being made, right now. So this instance of O N E was not the previous instance of O N E. No, no, don't think about the mental part right now, sir. I'm talking about think. Of, just focus on the outside world. Okay, I'm not saying now this is a projection. Put all that to a side. Okay? Let's just focus on what happens outside, in in the outside world. In the outside world, we have this word, O-N-E. It is being made right now. This O-N-E at T equals 1, now T equals 2, is not the same O-N-E. I don't mean these are separate letters, they, they, you know, they, they fell apart and now they appeared again. That's not what I'm saying. At every moment, at every moment, this product is being manifested. Now, I'll give you another example of that This I think I might have explained to you earlier But <clears throat> as a reminder to serve you well You see me holding this pen? Yeah? <clears throat> Excuse me This pen doesn't fall Because there are forces acting on it Okay? Let's start counting time 1 2 3 Do you see the pen fall? No. Okay. Let me draw it out on chart. Okay, this is T0. Here's 1, 2, 3, 4. For this pen to stay up here, okay, let's say we need a force of uh, 1 Newton, just to be a bit simple, acting upwards. Because there is a force of 1 Newton acting downwards, so those two forces work in equilibrium, right. So provided, so if the, if the, if the force acting downwards is 1 Newton and you give the same up, now this, this pen will just be in me there, right. So say I am, I am, I am giving that force. Okay, I am providing this force. <coughs> at t equals 1, this force was, ena- was, was, in, was enacted on this object. That is why at t equals 1, this object didn't drop. Okay? Uh, I am also going to draw another chart here of distance of the pen from the flow, or from the, from the, from rest. Okay? So, uh, this is again time. Okay, and this is distance. Okay, so let's say I'm holding this one meter above ground level. Okay, it's there. And this is the force that I've applied on this object. Right? At t equals 1, it is one meter above ground. Okay? The reason it's one meter above ground is because there's a force of 1 newton acting on this object at t equals 1 Therefore, this is a manifestation What is the manifestation? The pen is a meter above ground because at t equals 1 during this in this duration of time there was a force of 1 newton that acted on this object Okay? Now that finished, that episode is over that episode is over. Let's move to the next episode. At T equals 2. For me to keep this pen at 1 meter above ground, what should I do at T equals 2? Is it enough that I did it at T equals 1? Huh? Can I recycle that? Can I? No, but then that job is done. I can sh- surely use the same force that I used earlier. Can I? No. I have to give it a fresh. Yeah? I have to give it a gain. This is a new instance. So, at t equals 2, I have to now give the same force, but it's not the same force. It's same in number, it's same in size, but it's a new, it's a fresh instance of force, right? So, if I needed to remain there at t equals 2, now, in that period of time, I have to give another packet or another you know, uh, 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 an, uh, an amount of energy. Right? And that force, it keeps it in this position at t equals 2. So now tell me then, the energy that I used to provide this force and the energy that I used to provide this force, they may be equal in size, in quantity, but are they the same force? If to provide one newton of energy, I had to eat one carrot. Okay? Now that carrot I have eaten and I have consumed the energy Can the same carrot sustain this? No, I'll have to eat another carrot. Yes, meaning this is a separate instance to this. But what do you see? It's static, right? You see it's static. That's what I'm trying to explain to you folks. Every moment in time, it's a changing, it's a newly forming, a new instance. It's not fixed. Every moment, it's, it's, an, it's a new creation, it's a new product, it's a new manifestation, it's a new effect, brand new. It might look and feel similar to the one before. But that's only because the same causes are manifesting the same, what seems like the same result. But it's not the same. That is why at any moment you can change this. All you got to do is in the next instance, change one of the causes. See? Oh, See? The reason you can do that is every instant you get an opportunity to change the causes. Imagine time, the, the smallest unit of time was a second and you couldn't, you couldn't break it down to any smaller than that. Just, you know, that's hypothetical, but imagine that was the situation. So whatever happened that during one second, you can't change within, the, within that second. Imagine that, okay? What does that tell you? It means at every second, you have the opportunity to do something completely different. Yeah? Understand? You can change the entire world, but you can only do it at every second intervals. You can't do it in between that one second. Now, we know, we've talked about this, that time is simply an illusion. Yeah? There is no such thing thing as one second, two seconds, three seconds, and so on. That is simply something that we created with an ignorant mind because we wanted separation. Yeah? When the mind wishes to experience separation... What better to do than to separate your being? (laughs) That's what you count as time, right? I have been living for so many years. I've been here for so many hours, right? I've been waiting for so many... whatever, right? So this time is simply a creation of a mind that wishes to experience separation. (laughs) Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, this is simply a madness. What really happens is, at every... Now, I'm not going to use units because it would be wrong for me to use units. I can't say millisecond or attosecond or femtosecond. It's, it's wrong to say that because then again, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm separating units of time. It's wrong to do that. What's really happening is constantly, constantly, irrespective of time, with no relation to time, there are causes which are manifesting. Causes are manifesting. Causes are manifesting and that is constantly happening that is why you see this so now come back to this this word is being played you only saw me putting these tiles up there once but actually this word is being played in other words these words these letters are constantly forming this word this is the concept of anichet this is the concept of dependent origination. You see, this is originating dependent on these causes continuously. It never finished. It never finished. So that's why any moment you can take any one of these away, any moment you can change this by changing the causes because in the next moment, whatever, is, whatever are the causes at that time, that is the effect that you get. It was never fixed. It was never set in stone. It was never, right, that's it, done, separate. That never happened. But, what we think when you see this is, that is a separate world. Because we always wish to experience this separation, therefore, whenever things happen in this outside world, we separate them. So much, so, look at our addiction with time. As I mentioned time a moment ago, you know, this, 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 this invention, this concept of time is, you, you know, when, if, there's a, if there's a species, right, if there's a civilization that talks about time, do understand that they are so obsessed with separation. So obsessed with separation, they had to create this concept of time. Because that thing you can separate without the help of anything else, right? <laughs> if, you had a, if you had a cake, to separate that, you need a knife. Hmm? If you had a land, piece of land, to separate that, you need a fence. Yeah? But, to separate your being, as in your presence, your being... You need time. That's what people have done. We've tried separating everything with anything and then in the end we were left alone. Nothing to separate. Oh God, now how do I feel separate? Let's separate my being. <laughs> now you can separate your beingness. Madness. Completely and utterly mad. That's how desperately people, the mind wishes to experience this separation. This is what it is. Okay, so what is dependent origination again then? There is nothing fixed. It's constantly being manifested. The effects are constantly being manifested because of the causes. This is Rupert. Okay. If we fail to understand what we have been talking about for the last couple of hours, that is our ignorance. Because of ignorance, we believe that there are fixed entities in this world. Things that are not dependently originated, but rather things that are fixed. If this is the case, then the mind is now, the mind now has food. It has Materials to start expecting fixed things. Bear with me. I'll try and find the words to explain this to you. You never wanted cake until you got to know that there was such a thing as cake, right? Yeah? That's why when someone asks you would you like to have say something you've never had before, something you've never heard of before, you're not going to say yes. You're going to say, what is that? And then maybe it might go on to become your your your, your most favorite item of food, but at the beginning, you don't know what it is so you can't ask for it. You don't ask for something you don't know. Are you all okay with that? You don't ask or expect something you don't know? Yeah? Alright. When the mind believes that objects in this world, now I am talking about physical objects, right, let's start there. When the mind believes that there are physical objects in this world that are fixed entities, which are not manifestations of energy working on particles and so on, we start with the metaphor and then we gradually work our way to jati, Okay. When the mind believes that there are fixed entities in this world that are not manifestations of energy on particles, the mind thinks that, you know, I can expect that now. If it didn't know about this, it wouldn't expect it. Separation is only expected because the mind believes that separation is possible. What is not possible, it won't expect. So when the mind believes that there are fixed things in this world, Fixed entities in this world, now the mind expects those fixed things because it also believes that these fixed things are pleasurable. What is fixed is pleasurable. Remember, you might ask me, why then Swami does the mind think that fixed things are pleasurable? Why can't the mind think that, you know, dynamic things are pleasurable? Then the mind won't have this problem. To answer that question, we are going further down the rabbit hole, right? But I'll quickly answer that because I feel someone might we think in this question. To answer that question, you've got to ask the question why did a mind come into being in the first place? <laughs> huh? The mind came into being, this, this, this force called the mind, it came into existence to identify fixed things. That's why when the mind realizes there is no such thing as a fixed thing, after that, after this body collapses, now there is no point of a mind. Yeah? That's how you have an arahama. Ayantuparanibbana, the mind doesn't exist because the mind doesn't have anything to to, to, to perceive. After that, there's no, there's no need to perceive. Why do we perceive things? Perception is purely to identify things as separate things, right? Isn't that right? Yeah? When you draw, if you take a, a, you know, a white board and I put a dot in the middle of it, now you perceive that. How so? In the midst of the white now that dot is a separate thing. So you perceive that. Yeah? So the mind came into being, originally, to perceive separation. That is why, in answer to your question, why is Mahasad- then does the mind wish to experience this separation? Why does the mind year- yearn for this separation so badly? It's because that's what the mind came into this world to do. So the original sin, if you like, the original attraction, The original attachment was for this separation. I'll come to you. The original attachment, the original attraction was this separation. So therefore, the mind now always scans this world looking for separate things, looking for separate entities, looking for nitcha things, fixed objects, fixed entities. So, when the mind believes that such a thing exists, now, that is what the mind yearns for. That is what the mind looks for. Yan loke priya rupan sata ette satanha uppajamana nivisati So, now, this is a priya rupa. A pleasurable rupa. Why? A fixed rupa is a pleasurable rupa any time for the mind. Because the mind is always looking for fixedness. So, a fixed rupa, whatever it might be, if it's fixed, if the mind believes it's fixed, it gives it a sense of satisfaction. We talked about the two-story house. Yeah, What that rupa is, 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 a, is a secondary consideration. Remember I asked you the other day, if you went blind, right, and the, and, and the doctor said, right, I can re, 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 give you back your sight, right, I can reinstate your sight, but once you become, once you regain your sight, you will only be able to see things that you thought were ugly before you went blind. And if he asks you the question, is that okay? Of course! Because if I can see, that is another faculty I can use to do what? Separate. So then all of a sudden, all those things that used to be ugly, now become what? Delightful sights. Yeah? We talked about this a few, few weeks ago, right? These are the ugly things, these are the uh, pretty things, and now in the ugly things if I asked you, again you can separate. That's the way it works. Even amongst the pretty, you can find an ugly one. Yeah, that's how, you know, when they have the, uh, what do you call it, the, the beauty contest. Thank you. Huh? When you have the beauty contest, right? And they all stand up on stage, right? Say from a 100 countries, hmm? the best-looking the most beautiful women in, in those countries, they come and stand on stage. Even there, you can spot the beautiful ones and the ugly ones. That's how the mind works, because the mind is always, it's, it's just greedy for separation. So greedy for separation. That's, that is what it lives on. That's the, that's the fuel that keeps this, this furnace going. This separation. Without separation, the mind will not exist any longer. What is the purpose of the mind? So, when the mind believes that there are separate things in this world, now the mind's job is to expect them. Because that is what brings it satisfaction. Now then what happens? If this, is a, if this is a fixed object, now the mind sets in place a configuration in the mind, it sets the configuration expecting this. It expects this. This configuration, this setting, this, roo- this type of rupa. So for that, it preps itself. So let's say, it's something like this something like this and I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a number, okay, just to keep it simple. Let's say this is, so for Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vijnana. Uh let's say this is a, this is a 2, this is a 4, this is a 6, a 5 and a 1, okay, so 2, 4, 6, 5, 1 is the code for this, fair enough, okay, so now when the mind believes that this fixed entity is a pleasurable sight, is a pleasurable experience, a pleasurable object, or an aramana for instance. Now the mind interprets the code for this, in the words of Rupadana Sanya Sankar Vijnana, and now it sets in place the 24651 expecting this to come, come in. So, if 24651 come in, now it passes through without friction, without obstacles, without barriers or challenges. That makes it. A pleasurable experience. Because what is expected has been received. That is always how we experience pleasure, right? You can't have pleasure without expectation. Expectation is, here's what I want, give me what I want, I got what I want, yay. That's pleasure. Now you have 24651, but we send a different, uh, different uh, exactly. So let's say we send something like this. This is not 24651. This is 2, 3, 4, 2, 1. Hmm? This is 2, 3, 4, 2, 1. But the mind wants what? 2, 4, 6, 5, 1. Why is the mind not happy with 2, two 3, 4, 2, 1? Hmm? Yes. I'm, 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 I want you to think a bit further. Right? Think. Think a bit further. To the mind, this is a separate thing to this. These two things are very separate. Okay? So, this is 24651 and 23421, they are worlds apart. They are not one and the same. They, the mind is not willing to, or the mind does not understand, does not have the, have the wisdom yet to recognize that they are simply manifestations of causes and simply different configurations of the same thing. They're just simply different configurations of the same thing. So the mind thinks that this is a fixed thing and this is a fixed thing. What is the mind always looking for? Fixedness. That is what gives it pleasure, right? So the mind does not want right now to, to think, even to, even to think that these two things might be, might be just a, you know different configuration of the same thing. It takes pleasure it takes delight. It enjoys knowing that these two things are separate things. Do you understand what I'm saying? It likes the fact that these two things are separate because it doesn't know that this liking is what is going to cause its suffering. Isn't that why you attached yourself to things? Isn't that why you brought home a pet? Hmm? A pet dog, a pet kitten, hmm? a pet hamster, whatever, a pet fish. You brought them home because you thought you know, that was what's going to make you happy. So, what was going to make you happy were separate things. So, you went on looking for them. In the same way here, the mind believes that there are separate things in this world and separateness gives me, gives me happiness. Therefore, if you even mentioned in passing, Oh, dear mind, did you know that 24651 and 23421 are the same thing? <gasps> Wash your mouth. The mind will say. It doesn't even want to hear this. Because it thinks that is going to erode its happiness. Because it doesn't realize that the happiness that it seeks is the very thing that causes it to suffer. It's like saying, you know, someone who wants to have things, someone who lives and enjoys a materialistic life, if you told them, like, come and become a monk,
1: hmm?
0: you can give up everything, all you have is your arms, bowl and robe, before you end that sentence, they'll be gone. Because this, this will happen with someone who believes that material possession, quantity, is what brings them happiness. That's why in some sermons we are very careful, especially when we talk to a new audience, we don't talk to them about the beauty and the pleasure of monk life. Because what they think is, you know, I'll, I'll tell them for instance, as a monk today, all I have to be responsible for is my two robes and my arms ball. I don't have all the other things that used to bother me. I don't say things like that. Especially when I'm talking to a, a new audience. A very new audience. I've never, I think with you people, I obviously I talk much further, but you know, with a new audience, I don't talk about those things because they think that what I have done is a, is a foolish thing. They think that I've come here because I've been unsuccessful in my life. They think that I'm here because I have not been able to achieve the things that I want, so I've been so, so desperate with life and so disappointed with life and dejected, I feel like that, and therefore, you know, I've come for the, to the only place as, you know, seeking refuge. They think I'm a refugee. Because they think that, you know, what they do is the holy grail. That's the thing. But, the same concept happens here. Until you teach the mind Anishaduk and Anatta, okay, until you teach the mind Anishaduk and Anatta, until the mind understands and comprehends and realizes this truth, any threat that these two things are the same or any even suggestion that these two things are the same is a threat. It won't like it. It needs and it loves to see separation. Think about how you laid out your homes. Think about your, your gardens, right? How you got your, your you know your flowers. They're all laid out in a different in a certain configuration. Right? there are patterns that you have in your garden, don't you? There, you know your curtains. They're, 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 there's a pattern. In your your carpets. There's a, your upholstery. There's a pattern. In your living room. Think about it. Just just go go there in your mental in your mental eye. You know there's a pattern to everything. And those patterns it gives you pleasure. The fish in your tank, they are different colors. That gives you pleasure. That's why you like watching fish. Not washing, watching. Why? Because they swim in patterns, don't they? They swim up and down, they go and bounce into into each other, then they swim away, they they dance, and they go and hide in the corals. You you enjoy watching that, right? They they, they say it's a good way to relax the mind. What nonsense. It's okay, it's okay, let them have it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't steal a milk bottle from a child. Let them have it. Hmm? So, they believe watching a fish tank and fish swimming in it is relaxation for the mind. How can that be relaxation for the mind? Only reason is because the mind wishes to experience separation. So, when you watch a fish tank and fish swimming in there, that gives the mind what it asks for. It feeds that greedy mind with separation. That's why it likes to see those things that's why you like to take a walk in the park look at all the flowers and the birds and the bees and you know go to the, 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 the zoo and watch all the different animals if, they, if all they had was one animal would you go to, would you go to the zoo all they had was giraffes huh? did you ever go to the giraffe zoo no you went to there to see the variety because that separation that is what gave you pleasure now come back here 24651 and 23421 the mind wants to. The mind likes to. The mind needs to experience these two things as separate. So, what does the mind do? Now, we had the two four six five one configuration. Was what the mind had a drushti? This is all based on drushti. This drushti came in first. Yeah. This separation is the good kind of separation that came in first. Therefore, that got fixed. What if this came in first? Oh yeah. Then the other way around. That's it. So there are no. There's no such thing as a good thing and a bad thing, bad thing in this world. It simply matters on depends on what came in. First. That's all it is. So, if this one can come in and rewrite this, erase this and write this in its test, now what's going to be the better looking one? This one. That's why different people have different preferences. That's why people like different things. Some people like it black, some people like it white. See? You know, some people like new things, others like antique things. See? But antique things are, you know, old things are considered what? Old, oh, they have no value. That's why people throw them. But other people collect them. <laughs> what a world we live in.
1: <laughs>
0: One man's trash huh, is another man's treasure. How is that so? Because whatever drishti came in first, that took place, that settled down, that got fixed, and now the mind looks for that. Yeah? So if this is the code that has now been fixed here, now as soon as it drops it down there, it they get they get cemented. Right? They get cemented now. Now this one comes along. Now this one's turn. This is the now the next vipaka. This is all driven by Vipaka, right? Now this Vipaka comes along and now what do you get? You get friction. You get resistance. You get anger. Huh? You get disappointment. You get frustration, you get annoyance. This is how it happens. Because now these are not willing, not ready to move and let this new object pass through because it's a different code. This, this object does not pass through. Certainly not, without obst- certainly not without obstacles. Without obstruction. So what does the Dhamma do? Here's what we ended last week's talk and I'll end it here today as well. What does the Dhamma do? The Dhamma as it comes along, so the Dhamma also looks like something like this. That's why some people like to listen to the Dhamma and some people don't. Because what is the dhamma again? It's also a dhamma Rupa, Right? So that code is three, two, one, one, one. That's the code for that. So someone who doesn't like three, two, one, 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 they have two, four, six, five, one. So now you try and put in three two one one one? Hmm, not going in. But if you somehow at least try and squeeze three, two, one, one, one things in there, somehow, what the dhamma <coughs> excuse me, what the dhammed has is a magic. What it can do is it can as it passes through it starts to corrode these points where it has this, this cement. Where it has been fixed, it starts to wash away this. And now they start to become movable, mobile. Right Now it's willing. By that amount, by whichever amount the Dhamma has passed, now it becomes it, 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 it's, no, it's now accepting other things to come through. Because it, 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 what Remember, the mind was always looking for separation. What does this teach? So this is the Dhamma,
2: right?
0: What does the Dhamma do? It passes through and it gives the drushti. It gives the knowledge to the to the to the mind that this fixedness is the reason for your suffering, not the outside vipaka. That is what this vipaka does. Yeah, there's one kind of vipaka. Yeah, there is one kind of vipaka that is called the Buddha Dhamma. There is one kind of vipaka that helps you to consume all types of vipaka. Make sense? This is also vipaka. This vipaka is the product of your merits. You are sharing the dhamma with others. You are inviting others to come and join the sermons, right? And these, these, those are the vipakas, or those are the karmas, the punya karma, the good merits that have generated these vipakas. That's why for some people... This won't happen in a long time. That's why for some people, they get enough of this. Enough and more of these things. But, hardly any of that. But you see, this is the vipaka that allows this mind to accept any kind of vipaka. Without this, you can only enjoy this. You can't even enjoy this. What a pity. But once you get this, now you can enjoy everything in this world. See if you like this, now the world is separate, right? The world is split into two. There are things you like and there are things you don't like. This you can enjoy, this you don't enjoy. Hmm? How much money is going to help you enjoy everything in this world? Hmm? No. What you need to enjoy everything in this world is the Dhamma. This Vipaka will help you to pass any of these things, any Vipaka into your mind and the mind is just cool as a cucumber. That's what you need this Vipaka for. That's why I said you need to earn merits. Preaching the Dhamma, this is a meritorious deed. Listening to the Dhamma is also a meritorious deed. How good is that? You get that for free. You All you have to do is sit down and listen. That's a meritorious deed. Giving alms is a meritorious deed. Helping someone cross the street is a meritorious deed. But particularly, if you help someone to understand and comprehend the Dhamma, that is a tremendously meritorious deed. If you offer someone a meal, like, like you do when we come on alms round, right? when you give a, a portion of your food to the Swami Nuhanse, as an offering. And, in, and, and I know as you do it, you, 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 you resolve in your mind and you, make a, you pass a blessing to the, Samina, the Venerable Sir, as you take this food, may this food help you to gain May you be able to realize the Four Noble Truths. May you be able to free yourself from suffering. And for that I make this offering to you. See, now you are doing this meritorious deed to enable you to create this Vipaka which will then at some point pass through your ears. This is because that is, this is sound, but as this sound comes into contact with your eardrums and that is processed in your mind, that becomes a Dhamma. So, really, I am not preaching the Dhamma, I am just passing sound waves. This is, these are just words, right? These words become the Dhamma in your mind. All I am giving you are words in a particular sequence. You could consider that to be the Dhamma, right? These words can be in a different sequence, you know, something completely worldly. <laughs> but these words in this particular order you could consider that a Dhamma but it becomes a Dhamma when it hits your, hits your mind not when it hits your ear so that comes up here and when this passes so now this is the Dhamma Vipaka when this passes what it does is it attacks these areas and it helps make these things move freely so what used to be fixed and static like this couldn't come into contact with things it didn't want but only allowed things that it liked like to move now it gives it all that free motion that is what the Dhamma does and then anything and everything is acceptable no, no contention with anything no arguments no debates anything is fine cool with anything that's the kind of person an Arahant is so this is what we're doing so this is what happens when you want separation this is also another separate thing. So, what is our understanding of anicca then? As the gentleman asked, you know, how do we now fix this back into the pipe? If the mind wishes for separation, the mind will take great delight and pleasure in this. If this is what came in first, right, so imagine this drushti was 2, 3, 4, two, 1, then this is what the mind would expect. Again, fixed. But this Dhamma which I am preaching to you right now. Helps you to understand that these are not fixed entities, they're simply manifestations of effects. Therefore you realise that really these two things are one and the same. They're the same thing, they're just different manifestations. They're not fixed things. Now what happens? The mind realizes that there are, that there are no such things as fixed things in this world. Yeah? Now the mind realizes there are no such things as fixed things in this world. That doesn't mean that two, four, six, five, one all of a sudden becomes zero 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 zero. No, 24651 is still 24651. But it's not a fixed 24651. It's simply a manifestation. It's not a name or a number that you give to a fixed thing. It's a name or a number that you give to an effect. Hmm? That's how different tunes, you give a different name. This is that song, this is the other song. But the same instruments play differently. Right? So different effects, so different causes, give rise to different effects. But they're not fixed things. They're simply configurations. So when the mind now begins to understand that concept, this is the mind's understanding of anicca, That all things are transient. All things are in a non-fixed state. They are simply manifestations of causes. Does that make sense? Right. I'm going to leave you with that. Someone had a question, I think, but we'll come back to that next week. Because this in itself is a lot to comprehend. As I said, I think some of you will have probably gotten most of it, if not all of it. Others might have gotten half of it. Others might have gotten little of it. It matters. not. don't worry. Because we'll have several times, we'll revisit, revisit this until, you know, you understand it. You also have the afternoon discussion sessions in which you can further clarify your understanding. If you have any doubts or your application of this into, into you know, daily life. This is the most important part. Not just listening to the sermon or understanding the concepts, but also the application of it you know ask questions on the samhinans how do you apply this Swami samhinans for a problem i have with my child you know he doesn't do his homework and then i get angry how how do i work with this or i, I you know he, he he's seeing someone and I, I don't approve of that because i know it's going to cause him harm how can i how can i how can i talk to him and keep my cool at the same time or is it my duty to simply to ignore all that is that what i need to do you know find answers to these questions these are real life problems because it's not your duty as a parent to simply ignore and let anything happen to your child. That's not the duty of a parent. As parents, we all have duties. I have a duty. I'm a parent to, what, about 200 children. So, I have a duty to all of them. I have to look after them to take care of them, make sure that they're all happy. But, that doesn't mean mentally I'm allowed to suffer. I should be able to be a, be a parent without suffering like a normal parent does. Because what the Dhamma does is help me do that. So I should be okay with anything in this world. Anything. Hmm? I should be okay with anything in this world, but when I know that whatever happens, it does not happen for the best of, the, of that person, of, of, the, of that thing, now I, I have a duty to go and address that. That's why if you see me walking down, and if you see a you know, piece of shard of glass, or a, or a nail or something, I'll always pick it up, because I don't want it to hurt someone. But I'm okay with it being there, mentally. But I know that's going to hurt someone. So I take it, pick it up, because that's my duty. So we need to be very careful about where do you draw the line between duty and responsibility and our emotional attachment to things. Why is it, why is it important that we, that we clear this emotional attachment? I'll give you the answer to that very quickly and I conclude, I promise. This emotional attachment, we'll cover it again on another day, this emotional attachment blinds you. Okay? When you have this emotional attachment, now you have a vested interest in the outcome of that, of that situation. So then you can't say, I'm doing everything I'm doing for the other person. Even as a parent, I appeal to you, parents, and I, and I share this with you with utmost respect, because I know how much you do and how much you strive as parents to do the best you can. But remember, if you are a parent with, with defilements, defilements what? Ignorance and attachment. Desire, aversion and delusion. If you are a parent with aversion, div- desire and delusion, ignorance and attachment, you are not the best parent to your child. You cannot be. Because in every outcome, in every situation, you will have a desired outcome. And sometimes to achieve that, you might even go as far as doing what is not right for your child. Because the mind, individually, is, has to work on self-preservation before it does to others. But once the mind realizes that I am not a self, this is simply a mind. At that point, the mind has no vested interest or an agenda for self-preservation. There is no self to preserve. And then from that point forward, anything and everything is done to help other minds to free themselves from this self-preservation mode. That's the way it works. So if you want to be a good parent, work on your defilements. That they won't teach you in a parenting class. That they teach you here. So, if you want to be a good parent, come here. If you want to be a good teacher, come here. If you want to be a good doctor, come here. If you want to be a good lawyer, come here. If you want to be a good engineer, come here. If you want to be a good professional, come here. Come here, meaning? Not here. Come to the Dhamma. The Dhamma has the answer to all this. Because once you understood the Dhamma, once you have understood the Dhamma, now you are free. If you want to be a good friend, where should you be? In the Dhamma. If you forsake the Dhamma and you try and be a good mother, a good father, a good friend, I won't trust you as a good friend. If say someone walks up from the street and says, you know, say imagine that was my best friend from my lay life. okay? He comes up to me and says, you know, you are my machang from before. So I want to be with you and I want to help you and I want to look after you. I will be there for you. I won't touch him with the barge pole. I will trust you more than him. Why? Because I trust the Dhamma. Because he will come to me with a vested interest. In every situation he will have an outcome that he will want. Whereas you, now you have been immersed in the Dhamma. You are drenched in the Dhamma. You are now free from those self-preservation antics that you used to have many of them, maybe there are some still remaining, but many of them you are now free from. Therefore, if ever you come and offer something to me, I know that this is done not to free yourself from your 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 agendas. That's why if you want to trust a friend, trust a friend with the Dhamma. That's why they are called noble friends. So you can have noble friends, you can have noble mothers, you can have noble fathers, noble teachers. Yeah, For that, you have to be noble. And nobility is achieved through the Dhamma. Okay, so with that, we will conclude for today. Uh, just contemplate on what we have discussed, go through it a couple, a couple of times if possible, and uh, use the sessions in the afternoon with our Swami Nanases to help better apply this into your life. Alright, let us take a moment then. To transfer all the merits that we have acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple gem, and chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds today, first and foremost let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching and with immense gratitude let us transfer these merits to the Bhikkhus and Bhikkhunis, Upasikas and Upasikas and who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha, and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us transfer the maids we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries, who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us transfer these merits to Guru Swami Nuhansi as well as all the teachers resident at the monastery, Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these talks, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them. And may it is the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May it is the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill Fulfill the Noble Eightfold Path and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. There is also transfer merits we have acquired to our devotees and friends of the monastery who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery and to those who have provided the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well-wishes. And may it the vow of these merits they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds Fulfill the noble eightfold part, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. Sadhu Sadhu Sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer this to our mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews, nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers, employees, and to all those who have helped, supported and assisted us along the way. And by the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments, and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds. Fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to the devas and brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the sangha's sasana. Let us transfer merits to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may, through the power of these merits, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer maids to our ancestors who have predeceased us, and to all those who have been our families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in samsara, and to those who have helped, supported and assisted us along the way, in every way, shape or form they could. Let us transfer maids to the members of the armed forces, as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation, and may all those who have lost their lives in the war, be their friend or foe, rejoice in the merits that we have acquired today. Let us transfer maids to the to those who have lost their lives in the natural calamities such as the tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides, forest fires, pandemics and so on, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in sansara, and to those, let us take a moment to transfer these merits. May through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the of plains, they redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. may they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, may they fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadh, sadh, sadh. Let us resolve that, may through the power of all the blessings we have acquired throughout the day, we'll be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land, and finally made to the power of all the men we have acquired throughout the day, you and I and everyone who's helped make this programme a success, become an Arahat nuhanse, an Arahat Nuhanse in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself.
1: Sadh With the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem I'll be with you all.